Welcome to Documentary Diehards, the show where three sports fans break down one 30 for 30 documentary on each and every episode. Let's get started. My name is Ren Clayton. We're here based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Three of us doing this episode one of our podcast. Let's all introduce ourselves. Sam, why don't you go next? All right. My name is Sam Anderson. I'm super excited to be here. Um, I'm a diehard sports fan, as you can tell by the title of um, our podcast. And um, yeah, so that I, I knew these guys from college. Uh, Ren, Nick, and I all went to college together. And so we decided to um, do this podcast um, to further our fanhood, I guess, of sports. Um, and so, yeah. Nick, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is Nick Rudolph. Um, like Sam said, I uh, went to college with these guys. Um, obviously, I grew close to them with uh, our great uh, desire for learning more about sports and just being uh, obsessed with sports, too. So hoping to get a, a better understanding on a lot of different documentaries that, uh, that we can find and, and kind of review it with these guys. Absolutely, yeah, and we've all just recently now back living in the state of Minnesota, all three of us, um, and we kind of were getting together, we were on the golf course, we decided to kind of uh, kickstart this idea for this podcast, which we'll talk about uh, more in just just a minute, the kind of premise of it, I guess, but let's just talk some sports. Sam, what do you guys want to talk about, just what's going on in this uh, in the world right now? Sure, so... Um, I've been reading a lot about the NBA bubble that's going on right now. Um, And so basically 22 NBA teams are invited into this NBA bubble, which is in Orlando, and they're they're on lockdown. And so, um, yeah, basically it's there's eight games that each team will play before the playoffs actually begin. There'll be some um, play in games. And so I'm really excited to see how that works. I've just been reading. about players who have broken the quarantine um so (laughs) i don't know if you guys read at all but uh rashawn holmes um he ordered playmates or what did he order sorry postmates Uh, Postmates. Postmates. not playmates i feel like that's uh (laughs) that's something else entirely (laughs) that's some other players probably uh (laughs) doing that one yeah that's that's other players for sure (laughs) um yeah, so he ordered Postmates and stepped outside to grab it, and because of that, he has to be in quarantine for an extra eight days. So I thought that was pretty hilarious. But he would have been fine if he wouldn't have stepped forward, right? It was like yeah, I believe so. He stepped like just outside, just outside of the bubble, apparently, <laughs> which is a no go. So um, don't penetrate. Yeah, that so bubble. that that's been pretty entertaining. Um, and otherwise, I'm just excited to see how this goes, and I'm really hoping that players aren't catching COVID left and right and that they end up canceling this thing, but um, it'll just be really exciting to have sports back on TV, so I feel that's like what it, I'm waiting for. I feel like it would be a cool uh, kind of situation, you know, to be in, or at least I view it as that. Uh, it, it would take me back to, like, a college dorm type of a uh, tournament, or probably even more, more uh, later back than that if I was a player. You know, like back to like youth basketball when you're in, sitting in a hotel with your your family and your other players and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, just with like a, a lot more luxury. Even right. I mean, they're in like, yes. Disney or ESPN, like the whole compound there. So I guess everyone's complaining about the food. Have you seen that? I have. It's like prepackaged food. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, apparently that's only so like the players, once they get there, they have to be locked down for a certain amount of time and they get like prepackaged food. But then once that's that uh the few days are over they're allowed to basically walk around the compound as much uh, as they want and do whatever okay. they want so i think they'll have like chefs and all that stuff at that point but um i did just see a video that austin rivers posted i don't know if you guys saw it but um it shows uh lebron or it doesn't actually show lebron but it shows this massive building that apparently lebron gets all to himself <laughs> no <laughs> like, yeah like he doesn't have to sit in a normal dorm room like 
everybody else. He's like in his massive compound by himself, apparently, oh, according man. to Austin Rivers. So, I mean, it makes sense. But the king, the king gets his palace, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, what are you guys reading about right now with sports? Yeah. Uh, so, I've been paying more uh, or close attention, I guess, to the college scene and just how um, you know how that's a little different than professional, where they have to wait till uh, or, or you know, there's they're tied with that academic sense. So, if one, our college is going to be going back in in person, uh, and that has to be determined before even you know we can talk about college football, college basketball, um, any college sports really. So. Um, the Big Ten just came out, and I believe another uh, couple conferences kind of went with them uh, um, after they announced, but uh, that they are only doing conference games at this point. So uh, there's no non-conference uh, games that they're having. That makes me. What want... about Notre Dame? Uh, yeah, so Notre Dame is going with the ACC. I heard. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. uh, apparently they're um, they mesh with them on a couple different sports. So. Uh, they're going with ACC. I'm fairly confident on that answer. Um, okay. But I also, I mean, being a uh, former runner and everything, uh, it makes me wonder what the cross-country season is like. Does that mean, you know, it's only conference? <laughs> is it like a one-meet season? Or, um, right. you know, what what is that going to look like? Um, so, yeah, it'll be super interesting. Um, I know each school is trying to roll out their season ticket renewals and Mm -hmm. and so that's a whole other thing i think michigan just came out with theirs today and uh uh, when i was um reading it it seemed quite a bit like the gophers or what i what i got from the gophers since i was season tickets uh for basketball last year but um but more specifically for michigan they're saying you know there's no uh tickets available to the public uh it's just last year's season ticket holders or people who had already put their money down for this year um but there's no season tickets within that so it's just that's the pool of people that get to choose if they're going to a game or i guess um buy uh buy the tickets it's just single game only and uh that's what they're going with so um if there are if there is no uh fans allowed then there's kind of three different um I guess choices you can make you can either put it towards a donation to the uh, school or you can put it towards the next season or you can get a refund so um yeah i don't know it'll be interesting what all happens here rudy what do you think as like a former college athlete like what would you would you want them to just make a decision sooner than later or 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 do you want to just like figure it out when the time is right if, if that increases the chances of you getting a season yeah i mean looking back uh and and sam can talk about this too from his perspective like you only get four years maybe five uh six if you know is a real small minority of people but um like that's your window uh to compete as a student athlete and so um you know the the top people could be like well i'll just wait for you know the nfl or whatever but um even in d1 what are the percent chance of that happening i would probably just want a decision like sooner rather than later um i would be more aggressive in my willingness to play uh than you know maybe the general public would um i would sacrifice playing in front of no fans in order to at least play but not having fans there would also be super weird. So I would be tempted to even redshirt or consider redshirting this year uh, and just kind of, you know, wait to see if it's better next year, if that opportunity was available. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I completely agree. Like, I just want them to make a decision just as a fan, but also just thinking how the college players are thinking. Um, but at the same time, it's so difficult right now just because everything's happening so quickly and, you know, the rates of COVID are rising and stuff. So it's like you kind of feel for the NCAA at the same time to have to make such a big decision that's yeah. going to cost billions of dollars um, on something that has changed so much. And, like, look what these last two months have been. So, uh, yeah, it'll be super interesting to see what happens. Yeah, Did it you... really is. Oh, sorry, you go, Ren. Go ahead, Nick. I was just going to pose the question, would you guys go to the uh, COVID parties that they're having in Alabama? Or <laughs> uh, I'm out on those, actually. Surprisingly, no. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll pass on those, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless they're at Nick Saban's house, because I'm sure he has a sick house. So oh, that's true. That, that's true. <laughs> It'd be worth it. Have yeah, you guys we'll heard that conspiracy bit. theory? Or I don't know if you want to label it conspiracy theory, but the thought that 
college coaches are having all their players get COVID now. So theoretically, they would have antibodies by oh fall season. So then they can all be eligible. Didn't play. Clemson have like 30-some players test positive? Yeah, so that's like the main program that they're uh, kind of claiming that uh, this wow. could be happening. I think Alabama, too. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't put hilarious. it past some people, but right. that would be really bad. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's like the two teams that are always in the national title yeah. games. <laughs> yeah. What up, what up, well, I was just going to say, what about you, Ren? What are you watching or yeah, reading I mean, about? Yeah, I I'm watching a lot of PGA Tour because it's one of the only sports that's back. The MLS is back now, but I always was a big PGA Tour golf fan. And, I mean, this they've been had four tournaments back now. Two of them, including the one this coming weekend, will be in the same back-to-back, the same course, which is kind of unheard of. Like, this is the, the one coming this weekend is, is the normally scheduled one. But the, but the last week, they just kind of filled that in for a tournament that was canceled a long time ago. Um, we've seen Bryson DeChambeau. Obviously, I'm sure you guys have seen he's gained like 45 pounds of mostly muscle. And he's like driving it farther than anyone ever has in the history of the game. Um, pretty crazy. Colin Morikawa is the one guy that I really want to talk about. who I've got a chance to interview once and he's like the most nice, humble guy. Um, he's a California kid, but he's like 23. He's already one of the best like iron players in the world. He just won in a playoff uh, this past weekend uh, in a playoff against Justin Thomas, one of the best players in the world. So I, I mean, I've just been like appreciating watching the PGA Tour even more than I ever have before because we didn't have it for a while and we didn't have any other sports in a while. Have you guys been watching more than maybe you would have because there's not much else? Honestly, I haven't been able to watch any of it, um, but I've definitely been keeping up with it a little bit, just like uh, the standings and stuff mm-hmm. on the on my phone. But um, what are what is it like? Um, do they they get caddies? But there's no fans, I'm guessing. Yeah, no fans. Um, uh, it's it's basically a like it's like you or me are out there golfing with with no one to clap for you. There there are like volunteers, which is. Um, a couple people on on like each fairway, their caddies, sure. and like only a couple people like caddies are the only ones allowed to touch the flag stick if they even do pull it out. So yeah, there's a lot of weird things. And then Tiger is playing this weekend for the first time since the return to golf, and and he's the one that you know has a huge gallery of fans every you know shot he takes. So that's going to be probably the most shocking thing to see is him hitting a golf ball with like 12 people around nobody around yeah <laughs> yeah no kidding so did i read something that the scores have actually been lower because of that or they're, is that a coincidence or not that's well that's kind of the discussion no one really knows the scores have been really low um and a lot of people say it's because like uh just the atmosphere is like is different and you can get in the zone and there's no distractions but then some other people say that it's like you know it's quiet and there's no trampled down long grass so like you get even tougher breaks when you miss the fairway so it kind of depends on which side of the fence you fall on with regards to that let's talk about this this documentary that we are going to review this this podcast the premise is to watch a 30 for 30 documentary produced by ESPN um, there's a lot of them. I don't even know how many there are. I probably should have looked that up. But we're going to start with the first one, then the second one, and so on. And the first one ever created was in 2009. It's called King's Ransom, and it focuses on the goat uh, of hockey, Wayne Gretzky, uh, the great one, as they call him. And it focuses not just on his whole career, but one point in time in 1988 when he went from the Edmonton Oilers and was actually traded to the LA Kings. And he, he actually played for a couple more teams in his career, but that was kind of in his, the peak of his career. He was the best player on the planet at the time, and he had just won a Stanley Cup. And, and it kind of talks about the, how it all came about. Um, he didn't want to sign a... a, a new deal he wanted to play out his last year of his contract and the, he talks about the owner the general manager 
and, and the Kings general manager and just kind of how all those people related to each other and how ultimately the trade, because it wasn't a free agency signing, the trade went down and, uh, and it kind of just deals with the emotions of that uh, talks to Wayne Gretzky's, some of his family members. Um, so let's just get into it. What, what was your guys just initial reaction to this? Sam, start with you. Sure. Um, so I'm not a huge hockey fan and I don't think the two of you are either. Um, so I, I just learned a whole lot about Wayne Gretzky in general. I, I knew he was dominant and I knew he was considered the greatest of all time, but I never really realized just how dominant he truly was. Um, I think they had won, did they win four or five titles when he was there? Something like or that. Or four yeah. or five Stanley Cups. Yeah. And so, um, and then he's only 27 years old when they wanted to, when this trade goes down. Um, I think he turned 28 when he was officially on the Kings, but um, so he's in his prime and, um, you just never really hear too much about that in sports these days about players in their prime being traded, especially after winning so many titles. And so that was something that really caught my attention and surprised me, I guess. How about you, Nick? Yeah, I would agree uh, as far as, you know, like how good Gretzky was. Some of those stats that they <laughs> listed off at the beginning of the documentary were just insane. Um, and I, I I feel like the main topic right now, or at least the last, what, five, 10 years has always been MJ or LeBron or, you know, comparing people to MJ. And I feel like depending on who you talk to or majority of people think MJ or like Mm -hmm. is, is the guy. Right. Yeah. But in hockey, it's like, there's nobody that is really questioning that from what I've heard or talked to people. So, um, I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't even thought about that. There are, I mean, in basketball, that's definitely the debate, right? And then I yeah. guess I'm trying to think of other sports. I mean, football is so hard with positions. You can do quarterbacks. Positions, and, yeah. And stuff like that. But yeah, like everyone pretty unanimously. And obviously, I don't want to, I mean, maybe the hardcore hockey fan, um, you know, considers some other guys. But pretty unanimously, yeah, it's it's Wayne Gretzky. Right. And then just um, when they traded him, just the amount of uh, unrest, I would call it, within the city of Edmonton, uh, you know, that that's just completely surprised me, too. I mean, they were calling for, like, the governor to step in, and the coach was like, yeah, I wouldn't have traded him for a franchise. So just, like, all these crazy things, you know, you expect the – uh, people to go insane, but uh, to to what lengths they did, I, I was surprised by that too. Yeah, and one of the things that part of the unrest and all that, it kind of shaped out, and I bet we'll reference this a lot, but it kind of shaped out to me like the last dance, like the, the MJ documentary yeah. about, you know, winding down his last season, the GM um, having all this, making this huge decision that kind of wasn't popular at all and the owner in this case um was doing the Mm -hmm. same thing um with ultimately you know having the final decision on trading trading Gretzky and like a lot of I feel like there was a lot of parallels to that MJ situation with the Bulls and I don't know it, it was interesting to see how you know we think maybe like the NBA and just recently like there's these big blockbuster deals like every off season, but even like in 1988, the NHL had like a huge blockbuster trade, a major, like the best player going to LA, which like, I mean, LeBron went to LA, like a whole bunch of people always go to LA. Kawhi went to LA. It's like, it's like, it, it didn't just happen. Like this kind of thing didn't just happen now. Like people changed teams in, in even other sports besides like, you know, football and, and, uh, and basketball. Right. Um, I, like after watching this, was this the greatest trade in sports history? Like maybe the most significant, like he's like Rudy just said, he's considered the goat mm. um, in hockey and then, you know, in his prime and then he gets traded. Like, I can't really even think of another scenario in professional sports where that has happened. Can you guys? That's a good point. Mm. Yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. Off the top of my head, I can't think of of anything like that. Um, 
But and I tell you what, it's it's the greatest trade ever for the LA franchise. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like how much how much they profited off of that? I mean, I was worth you know everything that they gave and more. Yeah. It yeah, I thought that part was. Right. I thought that part was really fascinating how nobody really even knew that the LA Kings were a team. It seemed like um, in LA, I think they, it said they they had finished 20th out of 21 teams in the NHL the season before Gretzky got there. And then all of a sudden Gretzky gets there and season tickets are selling out and all these celebrities are at games and Mm -hmm. um, like, wow, what a move by uh, the owner of the Kings. I think Bruce McNall is his name, Mm -hmm. but um, another part that I found really interesting was um, that when Wayne Gretzky was sitting in the owner of the Kings office while he was still a member of the Oilers (laughs) and the the owner of the Oilers calls the owner of the Kings, but doesn't know that Wayne Gretzky's in the Kings office. And so he's like talking all this smack about uh, Wayne Gretzky and saying like, Oh, you know, he's big time now and has, you know, he's engaged to um, a movie star and whatever, like, he'll probably be better on your team. And that was like the moment that Wayne Gretzky was kind of like, Oh, okay. I see how it is. I guess I'll, I'll be a King now. I have that in my notes too. Like that, (laughs) that's insane. Like that's like a, like a a scene out of a movie. Like no one overhears a speakerphone conversation. That's not meant for them in real life, just in movies. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. That's wild. I, I, or or the saying, uh, you know, I wish I was a fly on the wall, you know, <laughs> like that's literally what happens. So. I feel like <laughs> no there's, kidding. there's like an episode of The Office where Michael Scott and, and Jan are talking and like he, he tries to get her off speakerphone, but Dwight's in the car <laughs> and, and like, so it's like, that's so unrealistic, but I guess in this case, it's, it's reality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I did want to say like, I guess it's fitting. We're all we're all in Minnesota, and it's the state of hockey. And the first episode is a hockey episode. I guess we we aren't like the closest followers, as we've already made clear. Uh, of ho- otherwise, we would have known the intricacies of this of this trade, even though it was before any of us were born. But I, I have a little bit of a question off of that for you guys. What is your opinion on who won the trade and why? Between the Oilers and the Kings, I guess. Which side was the winner, in your opinion? Because I guess I didn't have an opinion on it beforehand, but now I do. Right. I mean, that's interesting because, like, I guess the Kings didn't, like, win a title with Gretzky. So, I mean, that was their ultimate goal in the trade. But, I mean, ultimately, I would say definitely the Kings because it just was so one-sided. I'm not going to go against the the um, masses in Canada that were all, you know, <laughs> in the streets protesting or whatever it was. But what do you think? Really? Right. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, LA being the winner. Um, I thought it was really fascinating the points that they made about how that led to three teams being in California later, mm-hmm. uh, changed that owner's life, like that sort of thing. I think, uh, you look at where the LA Kings were in that uh, league. I don't think that championships was necessarily a realistic thought. Uh, you you get Wayne Gretzky, and that's awesome. But even Wayne Gretzky said, you know, why are you giving all this up for me? Because I need to play with some people. Uh, and, and so I, as much as that is, is realistic because you have Wayne Gretzky, it still, I don't know like everybody's going to say it's their goal to win championships, but in a realistic sense, I think, you know, just putting yourself on the map and now you're like an established franchise. I think that uh, has to be, you know, step one. I mean, like a huge step one towards that goal of winning a championship. So, yeah, I, I do want to just kind of break down kind of some of the nuts and bolts of the actual like documentary, I, as long as we're reviewing yeah. it. And, like, I, I'm, I tend to be, like, critical about these kind of things. But so it was directed by Peter Berg, which was, uh, it said right immediately as, as the documentary started, which I immediately tied into Friday Night Lights, the, the TV show. He directed Friday Night Lights. Do you guys oh, know Oh, did that? he really? Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that, no. Have you guys seen that? Yeah, they, they had that on Netflix mm-hmm. a while ago, yeah. right? I don't know if it's still on there, but I watched, yeah. Yeah, I've so I that. really enjoyed that show. 
I as soon as mm-hmm. I saw him on there, I was excited just because I liked that show, and I was wondering if they're gonna do a whole bunch of shaky cam camera work because that's not what that show is. It's just a whole bunch of wobbly cameras. <laughs> um, yeah. But that that didn't turn out. I did have like a criticism about how, like you know, the whole all the interviews from Gretzky is just this one interview, like on the golf course. You remember that? Yeah, uh, and oh, it's it's really um i i mean it's it's i guess it's a few years ago but still it just doesn't it didn't really work for me like it didn't show gretzky on camera until seven minutes four seconds into the into the documentary and for no reason like sometimes like a like a doc will do like a reveal where, where they will just do you know, like a voiceover of of the main character and they'll just do that until well into it but this time they just like didn't get around to it until seven minutes and then they just showed him standing with a golf club in like a really sunny golf course and i just thought that was not well done they showed him before like on a he was driving up his car or something yeah but like they showed him right so they but not his interview so like right right like he was because I wrote yeah. down in my in my notes, like, oh, man, that's a badass, like, car drive-up <laughs> scene. And then they, like, didn't use it. Like, to your point, they didn't, like, really use that a whole lot in, until, like, you know, later. Right. So. Yeah, they did have, I will say, they did have, like, that B-roll stuff. Like, just all that video of him walking around at the beginning was, was pretty cool, I thought. Yeah. And then another thing I had about Peter Berg was they kept showing him interviewing Gretzky just standing there with his yes. driver in his hand with a baseball cap and it was like he's trying to put himself in his movie and it was kind of embarrassing for <laughs> me to watch him do that <laughs> I don't know I bet I wonder how long uh that golf round <laughs> as somebody who's done a ton of interviews I bet you're just cringing yeah, I I mean, yeah. It, it's like insert yourself into the story if it's necessary. But in this case, it wasn't necessary at all because it wasn't like a theme. It wasn't <laughs> anything. He didn't even ask like good questions. He wasn't informed. It, yeah, I didn't I didn't like that part at all. Yeah, and it like wasn't well. It was the camera angle was terrible too. It yeah. was like on the side of Wayne Gretzky's face. <laughs> it was like they they just ran up to him when he was on the driving range. Like, can we do an interview? There was because the lighting was bad too. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That's just my it was my pet peeves that I had to get off my chest. <laughs> you could very and... clearly see that it was uh, the first ESPN thirty for thirty because yeah, there's ones that I've seen since then that that we'll touch on again, but that are so much better than that. Oh, totally. As far as the production goes, production quality. I mean, ESPN's known for these great, well shot, uh, you know, stories, whether it's a feature story or documentary. So. Yeah, anything else before we, we rate this documentary um, on our scale? No. Um, I, did you guys read it all about Bruce McNall, the the eventual or the owner who traded for um, Gretzky? I think I did owner? briefly just because they, they put like a text up on the screen, but I uh, remind yeah. me. Yeah. Okay, so I just thought it was pretty interesting. So he pled guilty to five counts of conspiracy and fraud. He scammed banks out of $236 million and spent 70 months in prison. Um, <laughs> and then, oh, wait, yeah, he only served 57 months. But, yeah, he just seems like a terrible human. Like, he's this, yeah. he smuggled coins from foreign countries. That's how he made his money, apparently. What? And claimed, yeah, claimed to have went to the University of Oxford, but the records show that he didn't. So he just clearly, like, didn't have a lot going for him. And, uh besides owning the Kings. And um, it's just funny because he bought it from Jerry Buss, who's like a, such a legendary owner. Right. Then, but apparently he he uh, did good by getting this trade done. So Yeah, I wonder if Peter Pawkinson, <laughs> the owner of the Oilers, feels like he got swindled. <laughs> yeah, he probably did. <laughs> he should have. Would have been foreign, foreign trade, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, he, he smuggled coins and players, uh, apparently, from, from foreign countries. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Nick, give us your rating, your ultimate decision on on what you dis- you uh, how you review this documentary. Yeah, um, so ten point scale uh, at least right now because I'm not uh, too crazy in in my creativity at this point. So ten point scale, 
Um, I'm going to kind of shoot just the middle with a five out of 10. Uh, we kind of talked about the production and, and it was like, yeah, it could have been a lot better. Um, but like you said, with the uh, interviewer, I felt like a lot of questions he could, he could have done a lot more with his questions. Um, for people like us, three people who are not necessarily huge into hockey, I felt like there could have been a lot more focused on Wayne Gretzky, like, before and after like him as the player not just the situation and I don't think it would have taken too much time so like I I left and you know we're talking about how great he is um but I feel like they could have expounded more on that or more on something it just felt like something was missing um and more it weren't information or or something there so um kind of kind of just middle road I guess and uh going with that um i completely agree with you on the fact that they could have focused more on gretzky's career especially the three of us not really knowing a ton about it um yeah i mean he won in his first 10 seasons he won nine mvps like uh, i feel like they could have talked (laughs) a little bit more about that um but i also do feel like i learned quite a bit and that's kind of the point of this podcast uh, that we've talked about just that we want to learn more about sports in general, things that we didn't know already. So um, because of that, I'd, I'd give this one a seven because I did find it really interesting and I found myself uh, really into the documentary after all like 51 minutes of it or whatever it was. Um, and so the production value wasn't great, but uh, just the amount of information that I gained from it, I feel like I'm a better sports fan because of it. So I'll give it a seven. Yeah, I definitely agree that I'm a better sports fan because of it. And I'm a little embarrassed that I didn't know more about. I mean, like at least the best player in hockey of all time, I should know the ins and outs of. But um, yeah, I was going to give it a 5.5 dandelions, not stars, dandelions, because there's a scene <laughs> where, where uh, Gretzky's dad is digging he's an interview with him at the end he's digging up dandelions while being interviewed and i just think that's so iconic like that's an amazing (laughs) interview we're talking about the kind of bad interview on the golf course but he was like not phased by the camera and the the reporter or whatever and that i I just love that detail that was amazing so five (laughs) out of five dandelions because like we said yeah it's not it's not uh the perfect documentary at all but yeah, I learned a lot. Something I really craved was more just video, highlight video of Gretzky. Yes. Because we talked about mm-hmm. an appreciation for for Gretzky even more after watching it. But I feel like we would have been floored if we had just seen like a sequence of just a whole bunch of great plays by him, which we never really got. No, absolutely. I mean, they would show like a five second clip where, you know, he would make an amazing shot or a great pass or something. But there was also just like a ton of still photos. I don't know if you guys noticed mm-hmm. that of just like him standing there smiling like that. Yeah, that took up more time than highlight videos did. So I completely agree. I think we would have been wowed by what we saw. We definitely would have. And obviously, I know that's a logistical thing, I'm sure they weren't willing to pay or, or, you know, weren't able to get the rights. And there's all the, the, all that stuff that goes into that, but that definitely would have added a ton to the, to the documentary. So I think uh, we're all kind of in the middle of the road on it. Uh, Our, our first episode um, is done now. We're going to play a little Mount Rushmore real quick. Our childhood heroes, just so we can introduce our sports fandom more. Sam, do you want to start with your top four Mount Rushmore childhood he- sports heroes? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, are, are we going to do like a snake draft kind of thing? Go back and forth? Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Do you want to start and then, then Rudy, you go, then I'll go t- twice, and then we'll just go in reverse. Perfect. All right, so with the first overall pick, I'm going to take Derek Jeter because I was a huge Derek Jeter fan. Um Loved playing baseball growing up, and um, I would always do, you know, the backhand, iconic, <laughs> plant your foot, jump in the air, and throw it to first. Um, and so he was – and he played on, you know, the most influential fr- franchise in sports. So um, I'm going to go with Derek Jeter with my first overall pick. Love it. Rudy? All right. Uh, second over- overall pick, excuse me. Um, I got to go KG. Uh, KG was my guy uh, when I was a child. Um, 
pretty sure I had like at least five jerseys over the years of him, probably just as many bobbleheads. Um, you know, I would pound my chest just like he did. I would, th- I would always wanted to throw the powder up, uh, <laughs> just like he did too. And, and, um, you know, that he made my favorite sport growing up basketball relevance in the NBA. And, um, obviously we've never seen that again for the Timberwolves. No but, kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, it was, I mean, that's an easy one for me. That's gotta be number one in my heart. Okay, number Brent. three for me uh, is going to ruffle some feathers, but Uh-oh. for me, it's Brett Favre. Boo! Greatest Viking quarterback <laughs> ever. <laughs> True. But also, best Packer quarterback ever. I was <laughs> living in Milwaukee when I was young. I was like three and four, and I was, I, I, I remember I was four years old. It was like my fourth birthday, and the Packers were, you know, really good for a couple years there. Brett Favre was number four. I had his jersey. And I just, like, idolized him. Um, he was, like, the best, in my eyes, the best quarterback in the league at the time. I always wore number four in, whenever I got the shot growing up playing, you know, baseball, football. And uh, for me, he's he's just a legend. And I just try to block out all the other um, teams that maybe he played for. Or maybe he didn't. <laughs> I don't know. He anyway. Was, he was so fun to watch. Yeah. Such a gunslinger. Um, the, the epitome of a gunslinger. Yes. Um, number two, uh, my next pick, I'm going to go with Tiger Woods. I guess I have a lot of controversies in mind. But I, uh, <laughs> there's, same for him. Like I, I, He's like embedded in my childhood memories of watching sports. I always say my favorite sports television viewing experience of all time is the 2008 u.s open at tory pines yes. in california when he mm-hmm. when he won the the u.s open on a broken leg in a playoff on a monday rocco mediate he played against, against rocco mediate now yep. a now a resident of minnesota um it, um but yeah like i mean just a legend um the greatest we're talking about greatest of all time i mean no one really most people don't debate that tiger's the greatest of all time um i don't want to go too lengthy i could talk for hours about tiger um (laughs) who's next yeah uh me that's actually a really good one that's one of those uh we talk about overlooking uh (laughs) you know like the mount rushmore i didn't have that down but definitely would be up there for me too Uh, i'm gonna go off the grid a little bit um you guys surely don't have this one uh, UNC basketball, early 2000s. Rashad McCants was my favorite player. I don't know why, but he was so great. Um, I mean, I love the whole team. Uh, Raymond Felton, Sean May, uh, and uh, Rashad McCants were the big ones that I remember. And, and uh, you know, just kind of that's when I fell in love with UNC basketball. Uh, it was, you know, watching that, I'd i uh, play my little Nerf basketball in my house and I'd have like my little whiteboard and Rashad McCants would always have like 30 or 40 points in the game. But <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, maybe not uh child or like the greatest athlete ever. Cause he, <laughs> there's a theme here later got drafted by the Timberwolves and never amounted to anything really <laughs> in the NBA, but you know, that, that made a big impact on me growing up. Sam. I like it. All right. <laughs> With my second pick, I'm going with Mike Vick. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, when I think of Mike Vick, I just – the thing that pops into my head the most is the play against the Vikings where he splits two defenders and they run into each other. Um, and it's just – he was just – he changed the NFL. He was so explosive, uh, so fun to play with on Madden. Yes. And uh, I had mm-hmm. his jersey, and even though his career obviously didn't go – how we all expected it to. He absolutely changed the game and was someone that I like wanted to be as I played pickup football in the front yard. So I'll go with him with my second pick. And then, oh man, this is tough. I'm mad you took Tiger Woods run because that was going to be my <laughs> second pick. Um, all right, I'm going to go with a little uh, Kobe Bryant will be my next one. Um, all right, nice. Yeah, R.I.P. Kobe. Uh, just like Derek Jeter, I I kind of viewed it like I wanted uh, the people who impacted my like pickup games in the front yard the most, and so yeah. Derek Jeter did, Mike Vick definitely did, and then Kobe with like 
how many times did you guys playing basketball growing up? Just throw up a shot, and it's probably a terrible shot, but you'd Kobe. always be like, Kobe. <laughs> or, oh, yeah. or even like in the in the lunchroom or something, you're like throwing your milk carton away, Kobe. Uh, and so, and he's just such a legend who died too soon, and I'm sad about it. So mm-hmm. I picked him third overall. <laughs> that's a good choice. That's definitely yeah, very good. That's that was it wasn't on my list, but it would have been would have been close. Sure. Uh, is it my turn? Ru- do I do Rudy's up. One? It's Rudy's up. My Sorry. turn. Yeah. No. <clears throat> only thing I want to say about Kobe is, you know, I wish I would have gained a better appreciation for him sooner because it was only until like near the end of his career that I started liking him. But um, you know, he's got to be on that on that Mount Rushmore though. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, my next one. Kind of surprised. Uh, Sam didn't go with. Uh, uh, Randy Moss. Oh, but... yeah, he's on my list, too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't foreshadow. Um, I'm actually going to go with Torrey Hunter, though, because I was oh. a bigger baseball fan. <laughs> Sorry, curveball. <laughs> um, Torrey Hunter, yeah, I mean, twins were good when I uh, when I was growing up there, too. Uh, so, obviously, that always helps as a kid. But uh, Torrey Hunter, like, launching himself into the center field or, for that matter, left field or right field because he would run everywhere and then – um, you know, mimicking his batting stance uh, when you're when you're playing uh, uh, with the neighbor kids and you know all that, and he's just genuinely like the best human being. So oh, totally, um, definitely uh, has got to make my list. Ren, I he was the next guy on my list too. Sorry, one of my. <laughs> I used to throw the ball up against whatever wall I could find and dive into the wall. Yep. Like I was, like I was Tori Hunter. Oh yeah. Um, I'm going to go with a different twin. My backup twin was Doug Minkiewicz. You guys remember him? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I always, I rem- go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I remember going to basketball, baseball camps growing up and they would always have like at least the ones in my hometown like trivia for a juice box like if you got the trivia you got a juice box and it was always how do you spell how do you spell McCavish? <laughs> i still don't even know oh, <laughs> but i i used to say he was like my favorite infielder on the twins i used to try to imitate him i mean he was a first baseman like i never really played first base i think he was a lefty or maybe a switch hitter but i i was a righty like we didn't really have any overlap he was a big dude i was always like the undersized baseball player but i just loved him i remember he always used to have like a ton of bubble gum in his mouth or a ton of chewing tobacco and i didn't really realize when i was little that it was chewing <laughs> tobacco so i would always just cram a whole bunch of bubble gum in my mouth yeah i'm like yep. i'm <laughs> But I just thought he was—he was like the like kind of the heart and soul of maybe just a couple seasons on the Twins. But he was like that fan favorite. Besides, I mean, they had a whole bunch of fan favorites like Tori. But, but yeah, he's—he's a—he's uh, one of my like throwback favorites. Do I go uh, again, sure. or does someone else go? No, uh, you, you go. go. Okay, I'm gonna do one that you guys do- probably definitely don't have. Um, Sean White is my fourth oh, guy nice. on Mount Rushmore because. I used to love watching the X Games, and I never was, like, big uh, playing winter sports. I did, like, snowboard, and I still like snowboarding a lot. I never went a ton just because it was hard to get out there. But I love watching – I mean, it's another GOAT, really, uh, best snowboarder of all time. Uh, He's still 33. I just looked it up. Um, But, yeah, amazing. The flying tomato with that long red hair for a while. Like, he was iconic. Um, just progressing the the sport of snowboarding, and he has the most X Games gold medals ever, and most Olympic gold medals in snowboarding. Um, yeah, he's he was awesome to watch. That's a good one. Shoot, I just had a epiphany. I don't know if I'm changing up my last Mount Rushmore here. <laughs> Change it on the fly. I I gotta go with it. I gotta go with what's what's sending me. Uh, I gotta go, Michael Phelps. Ooh. Like how how does that not make my list? I mean, yeah, you know, it's only once every four years, but man, I just loved watching. Like I would pretend like that I knew how to swim and <laughs> you know, I'd be like into swimming, like for the next like month after that, but yeah. Oh, yeah. it was just so cool. And then, you know, that kind of grew obviously more out of childhood and everything when he went for, was it eight gold medals or seven? I think it was eight in Beijing. Pretty sure. It was eight in Beijing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just cool things like that. I got to throw him up there. That is I such respect a, that. 
both of those are so good but like with michael phelps specifically i just remember like the whole world like the whole u.s was behind him in like 08 and everyone yeah. just glued to the tv watching him hoping that he gets that eighth oh, and, man. Uh, it was, yeah i get like goosebumps thinking about that that was so cool right all right i have one that wasn't going to be on any of your lists and that's why i made it my last pick but i'm gonna go chipper jones oh okay uh braves chipper jones um so growing up a lot of times we didn't have cable and so we did get basic cable and tbs was included and so i watched a ton of brave braves games growing up and my brother and i were like really into the braves weirdly and so uh chipper jones was like their best player he switch hitter third baseman just a really cool guy always had a massive chew in yeah but he, he was a he was a really cool player and i just remember always be always just thinking he was the man so i'll go with chipper jones my last pick all right so he like was that. like he was like mr consistent wasn't he he was yeah i think he yeah. hit like th- just about 300 from both sides of the plate and yeah he played yeah. forever like 15 years and it was he was always on those braves teams that were like so good for so long under bobby cox sure like 10, 15 years of just dominance. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So to review, Ren went with Brett Favre, Tiger Woods, Doug McCavitz, and Sean White. Rudy had KG, Rashad McCants, Torrey Hunter, and Michael Phelps. And I went with Derek Jeter, Mike Vick, Kobe Bryant, and Chipper Jones. All very good picks, I think. Yeah, I liked it. I feel like they all round out pretty well. <laughs> Agreed. Definitely yeah, shaped us I as agree. sports fans. I mean, I'm, I would bet we wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for some of those guys. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's look forward to we're going to do a documentary that we want created that hasn't been. Um, give us give us the documentary that you think should be created. Yeah, so um kind of going with the Timberwolves theme here. Nobody will probably care about it except for, you know, maybe like 2% of Minnesota even. So (laughs) (laughs) I think back to the uh, David Kahn era of the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, having Kahn as our president of basketball operations. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, this is an infamous uh, documentary that I want to be made. But uh, I looked up some some kind of stats or or like what – took place in his term here um and so it was from 2009 to 2013 uh season win totals uh, in those four years were 15 17 26 and 31 oh good season good season that last one the 31 yeah so in 2009 his first uh first draft he drafted three point guards in the first round rubio and flynn before steph Everybody knows that if you're in Minnesota or follow Timberwolves sports. But they also uh, uh, drafted Ty Lawson from UNC. Um, And he turned out to be, I mean, I would say fairly good. Oh, I forgot uh, about that. Yeah, Yeah, but they traded him away. So uh, To the Nuggets, was it? Yes. Yep, to the Nuggets. Um, And then they drafted another UNC guy in Wayne Ellington. He stayed with the team for a little bit. uh, Or, I don't know, four or five years maybe. Um, another point guard, and then some dude from the Netherlands. Uh, so then he comes back in 2010, uh, has a fourth overall pick, and he goes with Wes Johnson. Uh, that turned out terrible. <laughs> uh, I, I heard a clip that was like, you know, uh, they were like, Wes, what did what did your teammate, your college teammate, uh, uh, Johnny Flynn, tell you about the Timberwolves? Oh, it's a great team. He had a lot of fun last year. And I was coming off of a 15-win season, so <laughs> oh, gosh. I should have known. Um, and then 2011, he had uh, Derek Williams as the number two pick. Uh, so, yeah, none of those uh, went even remotely uh, mediocre. Um, but then also, you know, poor management with, like, Darko Milicic. Uh, I think I'm saying his name right, but I'll, I refer to him as Darko. And, uh, you know, my joke with, you know, the whole Kobe 
and then like shooting whatever is is mine is like darko and then and then missing it <laughs> uh but he gave him a four-year uh, 20 million dollar contract after he was referred as the biggest bust in nba history and he referred to him as manna from heaven uh so wow yeah, that's kind of my highlights there. And then you can, you know, there's some other management, like terrible things that he did too. But I would love to see a behind the scenes, uh, David Kahn, Glenn Taylor. What did the players think? You know, like some, some crazy backroom stories of like this guy, I'm assuming not knowing at all what he's doing, but thinking that he's like, you know, right in line and what he wants to do. And I just think that would be hilarious. That's a good choice. That would be very interesting. Very niche, but I think that would be a good yeah, right. documentary. It would have to be put on by some local place for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would be like the same thing year after year. It'd be like, oh, we have like the fourth pick overall this year. We're definitely going to get a superstar now. <laughs> and then they'd be like, oh, we have the second overall pick. The fourth pick last year didn't really work out so far, but maybe if we get another talent in here, we can. We're only one decision away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, that is awful team management right there. And that explains why the Timberwolves have been so bad for so long. Exactly. On that note, let's look forward to episode (laughs) two, which, uh, Sam, tell us what uh, the next 30 for 30 is. Okay, so I did look up the number uh, of uh, ESPN 30 for 30s that there are, and it is 110 they're on right now. Wow. Um, And so that one just happened uh, it was the mark mcguire sammy sosa one in june mm. um that was the 110th and so yeah we have a lot of documentaries to catch up on boys we got our work cut out for us <laughs> yeah we do wow but, i uh, didn't know there was that much yeah yeah there is Rudy um, regrets this it's <laughs> <laughs> like what i give myself into we're gonna be like 40 by the time we're done with this um, so the second episode is called the band that wouldn't die and it's about the Baltimore Colts band who um, stayed around in Baltimore after the Baltimore Colts left. And they were apparently a big part of the reason why football eventually ended up back in Baltimore. And so it's telling the story from their perspective. And so I'm really excited about it. And I've heard good things. So Uh, it came out in 2009. So it's an old one, but I hope hopeful that it's good. Everyone keep your takes sheathed until the next episode mm-hmm. yes all right we, we'll have to come up with a good uh, mount rushmore for the next one too yes agreed thank you everyone for listening to our inaugural episode of documentary diehards we had fun doing it hopefully you guys got to experience what the next 110 plus episodes will be like <laughs> <laughs> Catch us next time